It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're Friday Night Games. And we want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by educating and entertaining you through our board gaming adventures. Our podcast lands every Friday, and we create content for Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This episode is sponsored by TabletopRenaissance.ca, located in our hometown of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. They have a web store, so check out TabletopRenaissance.ca for your board game and tabletop miniature needs. Hi everyone, so welcome to episode 3 of Friday Night Games Last Game Standing. Starting with 5 games and 5 amazing content creators, a game will be voted off each week until there's only one game left. On the last show we had guest Room 51 where it ended in a tie. Oh, and, you know what uh, that means. Yeah, so when there's a tie, Matt actually gets to vote in his own competition. Yeah. Yeah, way to, way to screw, vo- screw it over there, Matt. And I voted us off. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Matt voted our game off, Castles of Tuscany. <laughs> so we're, we're immediately out of this race. Which sucks because our... The theme of this episode is theme, and we yeah. had a really funny one. It's so, funny. So. But we're, you're going to hear it anyway, but whatever. We also had some good conversations about Wingspan. Make sure you check out the last two episodes to see where we're at with this. Yeah, they're real good. Yeah. They're real good. So on today's show, we are joined by two very special guests, Jason and Julie of Dice and Dragons. Welcome. Woo-hoo. Hello. Hey. Been waiting to be here for a while. Oh, <laughs> thank we you for joining. To have you on for a while, so this is very exciting for us. So today yeah. they are going to help us vote off one of four games that are left, which are Fort, elected by Girl Meets Nerd, Merv, elected by Bridge City Board Gamers, Rallyman GT, elected by Room Fifty One, and Aeon's End Outcast, elected by our guests. All right. Yeah, I don't think we'll be voting that one off. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards, well, end of the world, cooperative, it's like right up our alley. So I'm not voting that one off. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Okay, so Jason, Julie, tell everyone where they could find you. Well, one of your sweet dulcet tones. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon, because apparently Jason forgot the S. No, I couldn't get it for some reason. I don't even remember why, but I couldn't get it. That's it's a, just so long ago. That's oh, hilarious. I think there's a uh, like a like a limit because we we have Friday Night GMS. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't get it all in there either. We weren't even we weren't even Friday Night GMS at first. Weren't we like something else too? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. Who cares? My brain's so small. I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay well we wanted to have both of you on the show since january how do you feel about that <laughs> oh, very special and honored really happy to finally be on the show we love the show thank you jason's been telling me forever yeah we're, we're gonna do something with friday night games i keep asking when's that gonna happen <laughs> ah we haven't figured that out yet we i i feel like we're i don't know it's just like having a guest on is a lot of work i'm sure you know too yeah because usually we, we have to be a little bit more planned out than normal. Like, I know, I know I didn't do it for this episode, but normally I write out this whole script and I make sure everyone knows all the questions that they're going in. So they're not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, surprise makes for that much better an episode. Well, I don't want to know your answers. I just want you to have like, you know, a little bit of prep so you're not, so yeah. you're not taken aback. You know what I mean? No, I know. We know because we've done a few episodes with guests. Not that many, but it definitely takes a lot more work, especially if you're bringing someone on and you're actually in the same location. Then it's even more work. Oh, yeah. 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 And then and then we've been we've been actually podcasting remotely for almost six months, which really messed up our plans, because when you have a guest on, it's even harder because I so like I'm recording through two laptops. And if John is on Discord, and he talks, then that gets into the audio, and it really, it really messes things up. Yeah, for Kevin, the editor. So, so there's another. Well, I was, I was on your show uh, a few weeks ago. We were talking about Kickstarter and Marvel United. So that, that was fun. I had a good time. We were talking with uh, BC Board Gamers. Yeah, as we had well, Brian so. from uh, from BC Board Gamers on, and that was a lot of fun. Just talking about uh, Kickstarter access or value. That was our inaugural episode, and uh, 
I've done uh, another one since with BC Board Gamers and also uh, Meeple Dungeon, who is on uh, What You've Been Playing Wednesdays with us as well. And uh, really just had a lot of fun talking with you about Marvel United. And, uh, you know, it's come up again on uh, one of the Twitter conversations I was having. I think the game's got 18 expansions, and it's literally not even a year old. Like, I don't... (laughs) Is that excess? Is that value? I mean, that's up for the view, you know, the person purchasing the game to decide, but... I'm leaning towards excess. 18 expansions in under a year? I, I guess it depends on how much that costs. <laughs> is that $1,800 or is it, you know, I guess even if it's $500, it seems like a lot, right? It, it might be $1,800 US when you can, well, I mean Canadian because <laughs> our money is just play money in some countries. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I get, I get my paychecks come in American, so I have to convert it every, every time. Well, that's, that's the right way to go. The uh, other way around uh, <laughs> I have to follow the exchange rate, Julie. Uh, I'm like, when it goes down, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just lost money. It's actually like pretty like my heart's always going wildly when payday comes around. Like what, what's going to happen to me? Well, hopefully it keeps going in the right direction for you. But that's not good for us because then we can buy less games. <laughs> but if anybody wants to catch that episode that we had from a few weeks ago, you can find it on our YouTube channel, right? Yes. Awesome. And that's also Dice and Dragons? Or is, is that yes. the link on it? Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. yep. You can find it on our, just our standard YouTube channel. So we've got the nice Dice and Dragons name because we got our uh, 100 subscribers before someone else stole it. And there is another Dice and Dragons <laughs> out there. They're, they're apparently a game store somewhere in the U.S. And every so often I get people asking me where their order is. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Didn't you read our Facebook page, Twitter? It says, it says we make videos. Don't sell you stuff. Answer. Yeah, I should just start selling them stuff. I don't Answer, know. it's on the way. <laughs> 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 uh, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, gave, definitely don't do that. Oh, I gave it number? to somebody, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's way. Yeah, we set it on the curling rink. <laughs> set it your way. All right, so I have a question. What did you guys think of Matt's hipster list of games that he sent you to choose one from? Well, we were, we were going through the list, and I was talking with Julie, and, and she looked at everything. And she was like, "Where's Arnak? Where's Imperium? Where are those games that I actually played in 2020 that I want to talk about? I go, well, they're not on there. I go, well, there's Aeons and Outcast, and we were discussing about maybe suggesting a different game, but looking at the other games we wanted to suggest from 2020, we figured that that was probably the best one that most most people had heard of. Wait, wait. So you so did have a good pick for us. What what was the other games? I'm just curious if you remember. We were looking at Tokyo Sidekick. We were we were thinking about Journeys in Middle Earth, but that was more of an expansion than a game. And yeah. we've been crossing off expansions from like top tens and things like that. Other than that, what was the uh, the other one we were looking at? I'm trying to think, what was another one of our... We had a Cowboy Bebop Space Serenade. Which yeah, that one that wouldn't have been one of my picks. Oh, that would have been his pick. Okay, okay. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense if you're doing it together. Because I was gonna say, I thought, I thought. You really liked it, but that must have been Jason who really liked it. No, she really liked it, but she wanted to have a chance to reevaluate it. She wasn't sure okay. she liked it as much as uh, anymore. Yeah, that's. I, I did enjoy it, but Jason's the bigger Cowboy Bebop fan. Fair enough. So you need to watch the episodes first before you <laughs> make the decision. Again, just to double check, right? I mean, especially once you play so many games, being a content creator, sometimes you're scoring shifts rather drastically as you play a game you're like wow this is just i'm gonna give this game like an eight but i gave that previous game i reviewed two years ago that's similar an eight but it really should not be a six because this game is just that much better right right it's like a a review of the games i like that yeah been doing this for three years now at some point you got to go back and say okay when i started my opinion if i if i go back and do what i did three years ago i probably would have a different opinion of games but we can't redo all of our videos, you know? That's true. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> or you could do like a, a segment where you like take your video and you like review your review. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I well, know. That might be something new to try. Definitely. <laughs> I, I, we've been doing some look backs. We haven't gotten as many done as we would like because we've been just very busy. But it was uh, one of the ones we did was the Reckoners game. And that one actually held up. We liked it just as much as we did uh, originally. Awesome. Awesome. So on that note, what was the top game you played in 2020? It could be released in 2020, so it could be like a 2019 game, or it could even be something you played at you know the very beginning of 2021, because it seems like that's when all the 2020 games were released anyway. Especially in Canada. Canada. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, everything's delayed. I've I've got a Kickstarter that's on the way that was supposed to have been picked up like a month ago. Now they're like, oh, by the way, QML's coming to the factory to get it. So you're you're supposed to get it in June. Now it's going to be August. I'm like, really? <laughs> and to pop it off, there's another. They're launching their Kickstarter for the expansion. I'm like, so wait, their expansion will be done. I don't even have my game. That's the joys of being Canadian and being a board gamer. But that being said, we did do an actual top 10 of our favorite games of 2020. Yes, we did. And the winner was Tokyo Sidekick. By Japan and Games. I think I, I think I did watch that. That was that was early. That was like very beginning of the year, right? Like yes. January. Yes. Okay, I did yeah. watch that. It was a little after January, I think, but not that far afterwards is when we started working with them and we we absolutely love the game. If you enjoy games like Pandemic, where you're moving around the board having to deal with problems, but... That's a bad example, because I hate Pandemic. <laughs> the of Pandemic. You don't like destroying disease. It's totally different when you're saving... I do every day. Yes. <laughs> In my real life. No, but honestly, one of the reasons we loved Tokyo Sidekick, or at least I loved it, is just the look of it. it it's awesome we have was do we have a deluxe version we've got the acrylic standees yeah that just made the whole difference for me like using those acrylic standees were just just made the game that much more fun to play honestly when jason pulled it out i'm like another anime theme (laughs) really (laughs) but it was a lot of fun and we played it a lot yeah and then i i was like do i really want to admit how much i like this game (laughs) but it was really good Good. It's one of my, honestly, it's a, it was a surprise for me. I, I feel like that happens a lot when you go in with like low expectations of something, you're always like, you're always going to be a little bit happier in the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had a few surprises this year. I mean, for, in terms of what we played, like. You mean 2021 or 2020? Well, we played in 2021. And what's funny is it's gone both ways. There's been games where we thought would be great, and there's been games that we were absolutely terrible. Like Umbrella Academy, kill it with fire. That's not even a game. Just play war <laughs> with a deck of cards. Save yourself a ton of money. That game should be burnt. And all the designers oh. should be shamed and never make anything again. Wow, Jason, don't say that. I don't, I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. you see you know you know what I, opinion it may not represent your opinion you know what? i'm true. actually i'm actually glad that that came to me because i i have was watching the show as i realized that game was on kickstarter i was like oh i should back it because i'm like a really big fan of the show i like the comic books but i wasn't sure how it was going to play out so i like didn't back it and i was like oh maybe i'll get the retail version if it ever hits retail but i haven't heard good things about it so oh that happens yeah i think i think you already sold that game huh Oh, that game actually left the collection before we finished the review. It was like gold, and we finished reviewing it, and then it was gone the next day. That's how quickly I wow. wanted to get rid of it. That's turnover. That's tur- I guess you might as well get rid of it now, right? Where the where the the FOMO is pretty high for it, right? Yeah. So kill yeah, it. Pretty fire. much what it was. But to give you an idea, part of the real problem is is they released an updated rule book in September but only in a Kickstarter update. It's not in the box. They didn't send it to anyone. Basically, they pushed the game out and realized, oh, this game is unplayable at certain player counts. Here's a rule book, but you've got to download it and print it yourself. <laughs> and people literally asked, will you send us a new rule book? And they're like, no, just download the new one. And it's, I'm just thinking of like retail backers. You know, John would be buying the game and he'd get the rule book. I'm like, I'm going to try this out solo. And you pick up your hand of cards. You look at the hand, the, well, you have to defeat and you go, I literally lost the game, and I just picked up my hand of cards <laughs> uh, for this game. <laughs> wow, that's crazy! Hilarious. What game? Sorry, what game, repeat that game name. I missed the game name. That's the Umbrella Academy. Oh, Umbrella Academy. Academy. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, makes sense. So it's it's going both ways, but real nice surprises to turn it to a more positive note. Where games that Julie actually enjoyed a lot more than she thought she would. Uh, Dune Imperium. Yes, that is a great game. That's a great. It's kind of right. sad because those. I mean, they're 2020 games, but they, like, honestly, no one played them until 2021. You couldn't even get a hold of them until 2021. Yeah. Or, like, Dwellings of Eldervale. I don't, I still, mine's still on order. <laughs> I'm never getting that game. No. I remember you talking about that, I think, six months ago in an episode saying it was yeah, on order I, about to arrive. Yeah. 401 Games had a pre order, and I'm like, all right, I pre ordered it. But you know what? 401 Games, I think they hate me. I ordered Honey Buzz. This is a true story. I ordered Honey Buzz, and I actually recommended it to a friend at work. They ordered Honey Buzz a week later. They got their game on the following Monday. I had to call them up and be like, hey, uh, my friend actually ordered this game. 
after me yeah after me and got it and they're like oh that's weird that's all they said i'm like oh come on man worse i hope you're not sponsored by 401 because <laughs> no, we're not they should make it up and sponsor us just good. They need to. They should. I mean, if, after forgetting your game, that's that's what they owe you a sponsorship. Yeah, <laughs> free games here. <laughs> all right, are you uh, are you all ready to vote a game off? We yep. are definitely all ready to vote a game off. All right. all right. So so Matt did the honors of voting us off last week. <laughs> so as a recap, we've got Rallyman GT, Aeons on Outcast, Fort, and Merv left on the docket. The question of today's episode that we're going to discuss is. What is the theme of the game? Why does the theme of the game pull you into playing that game? And that theme could include art, story, and we want you to describe it, describe why it's amazing, or in our case of the game, our game got voted off because it's a Euro game, why it was terrible. So <laughs> let's listen to those right now. I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. So... We picked Eon Zen Outcast because we at Dyson Dragons love this kind of theme. And what is the theme? It is mages, monsters, uh, rituals, spells. Not really it, any rituals. Well, some characters do some yeah, okay, terrible so, rituals yeah, so can, in the story, but it's not part of the gameplay. Okay. So yes, there, well, yeah, there are there are some. There are no rituals. Okay. You're thinking you're completely about another game which unfortunately was not on the list which i guess it wasn't a 2020 game okay. though it's folklore the affliction that has the ritual no i was i was thinking about the cards but that's okay the theme relics relics that's what i relics read. are rituals julie you hold a relic you've got to do stuff and move around for a ritual well, i'll use a relic on you soon if you don't <laughs> so we like the theme of you know, of basically a fighting a big bad that's an arcane beast that's come through the mesh and fabric of space, time, and magic. Okay, so wh why don't I explain the, the, the theme in uh, such a way that it's <laughs> concise and we'll go with the story because I read... Are you all... trying to say I'm not concise? Not with that explanation, no. Sorry. Okay. Aeon's End is a post-apocalyptic fantasy settings. What's happened is the world has ended. And this is, I believe, the fifth game in the series, Outcast. So you finally ventured beyond the last city of Gravehold, which was actually destroyed in one of the previous installments, Legacy. But what has happened is these evil demonic beings have come through from another realm, a portal, and they destroyed the world. Humanity was forced into hiding underground and harnessing the power of these portals, also known as breaches, to learn magic and defend the last bastion of humanity, which is Gravehold. Now, throughout the series, you become different breach mages, you learn different skills, abilities, spells, use different relics, and as the story progresses, Eventually, humanity loses the last city of Gravehold and returns to the surface and finds that uh, the world has recovered since the apocalypse. In New Age, you start venturing forth from the city of New Gravehold, which is founded not far from the, the old city. And in Outcast, you're dealing with some of the people that have now since left New Gravehold, started their own settlements, and, you know, also don't quite agree with the leadership of New Gravehold, and you get to meet an old friend slash foe that then joins your party that you must defend and also has some pretty cool powers and abilities that let you, you know, cause some damage to the nemesis and their minions. I think you, you were, yes, I agree with you. You were much more concise than I was about what this is. But, I mean, I did talk about, I call them portals, but they're breaches. They're a lot of fun. Yes, and why is this theme amazing? Why do we have five Aeon's End games? Why do they get all the promo packs? Why am I getting the sixth one and probably the seventh one, which I hear is going to end the story, or there might be an eighth. I don't know, but I'd like the story to end at some think, point. I don't think it's just the theme. I mean, we like this kind of theme. We have a lot of, of games about, you know, magic and mystic and, you know, supernatural. We have a lot of that. So I, but I think it's it's really it's the combination of the theme and the game, the gameplay, the way the mechanics work that that just make this 
you know, very pleasant and fun to play. We both like games where we can play with a little bit of strategy. So I think this is, you know, one of those reasons. And I really like the art as well. We did not at first edition, thank God the art was terrible. And uh, they upgraded everything for the second edition of the game, which is very cool. And I also like the fact that you've got a very diverse cast of characters. From the, the leader of the Mages of Gravehold being uh, Brahma, the, the matriarch. So you've got a lot of women, a lot of men. You've got a lot of different races represented in this last bastion of humanity. And I think... Uh, a lot of different looks too. Yes, that's what I meant. So, well, I mean, not just skin color, but a lot of different ways that different different looks and and you could say cultural aspects as well. So, they think they just did a really good job of capturing, you know, what what the last city would look like. It's basically all types of people from all walks of life that got together, huddled together, banded together to, you know, survive the end of the world and they were able to. So we really love Aeon Zen. If you like fantasy, if you like post-apocalyptic settings, you really got to check this game out. If you don't want to get the box for the game, you can get the original game at, uh, well, not at, on iTunes because they do have the digital version out now. It's a great way to get a taste of it, but suffice it to say, this is one of our favorites and we'll never be leaving the collection. Well, maybe not never, but it will be around for a very long time. I think that's it for theme, isn't it? Yeah, that's it for theme. So we're going to get out of here. That's the end of episode three. Hi there, I'm Megan. And I'm Tristan. And we're from the Girl Meets Nerd podcast here to convince you that Fort by Leader Games is the best board game of 2020 and should be the last board game standing. Today we're talking about the theme. So what is the theme of this game? You're playing as kids trying to build a fort. In order to make your fort the best fort that it can be, you have to collect the best toys and have the most pizza. Oh my gosh, this is the dream. Like, I just want to be a kid running around collecting toys and pizza. Come on. (laughs) In collecting the pizza and the toys, you're trying to attract other kids to come and hang out at your fort. The more friends that you have at your fort, the better your fort is. And you're trying to keep those friends in your fort. I love this. Like... This theme is so funny, first of all. Like, it comes through in every single aspect of the game. One of the strengths of leader games in general is just their ability to make a theme come, like, totally through the game. So, it, I mean, the theme is in the art. All of the art is kids. And even the kids are divided into different factions. So you've got, like, the crafting kids who love, like, glue and drawing and stickers. And then you've got like the military kids who are like loaded up with water guns and all sorts of crazy little wagon tanks. And then you've got the skaters. And so, yeah, they've got like little mohawk helmets on and skateboards. And then the last group is like the book, the The bookworms, bookworms. the nerds, the nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, no, I think there's a fourth one. There's the nerds. That's four. The military kids, the nerds, the crafty kids and the skateboard kids. And then there's like a fifth faction, which is the digging kids. So it's really, really funny to kind of think about the way that kids would act on a playground. That's what all of these kids are meant to represent the stereotypes of. So this theme, again, really comes through in all of the aspects of the game. Part of the playing mechanics of the game is that when you get to a certain point or you score a certain amount of points on your fort, you get a perk, which is like a special reward. So some of the perks... Let me just read you them. So some of the perks include sticky fingers, which lets you take extra supplies. You can have a birthday party where you recruit extra friends. Roughhousing, so you like trash the cards of other players. You could get an extra large backpack. So all of these perks are basically extra bonuses that you get for reaching certain points in the game. And they're all very thematic to how kids would act on a playground. It also comes through in another way which is the made-up rules card. And the made-up rules basically give you a secret goal to reach by the end of the game. But again, it's so funny. It's like a made-up rule. Like, kids are like, oh, well, actually, tag is played this way instead of this way. And you only reveal it at the end when maybe you're falling behind, and then you need to make up a rule to get you more points. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I was it all along. Actually, I collected more pizzas than you did at the beginning of the game, so that means that I get 10 extra points. Oh my gosh, hilarious, yes. It's so good, and I love that aspect of the theme. This theme is amazing to me, 
and I think to you, because it's so different from any other theme that I've played in a board game. Oh, for sure. There's tons of unique themes out there, but generally they kind of follow very, like, you know, trends, stick keeping up with trends or classic themes or whatever. But I've never played a board game where the go- the idea is that you're playing as kids trying to make the most popular fort. Absolutely. And I love that. Me too. And not only that, but, like, these kids are ruthless. Like, this isn't, like kids building a play structure and whoever gets the biggest one wins it's like they're fighting nitty-gritty dirty games to like steal each other's friends and you know backstab and steal resources like this is like that play fort in what is it disney's recess recess yeah who are the people who run the play fort i can't remember it's like the heathers or the ashleys or something i think the ashleys and then there's the king of the play for it. Yeah, it's like very dirty, sketchy kind of play that's going on there. So I love that that really comes through in the theme. Overall, the theme hits the marks that I love. I mean, <laughs> it's awesome. And it comes through in the gameplay. The things that you're doing line up with what the theme is. And it kind of makes you feel like you're doing those things. It's not just an arbitrary theme slapped on top of a arbitrary game mechanic. Absolutely. And the theme is one of the strongest points I think Fort has for the reason that we believe that it should be the last board game standing of 2020. Hey there, we're back. This is Norm from Cardboard Conjecture. I'm Ryan from Cardboard Conjecture. This is segment three, question three. Thank you, Friday Night Games, for inviting us nice. for uh, <laughs> for participating in this. And I hope we got this far with pitching our favorite unsung hero game, Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. So, Ryan, what's this whole segment about? We got five minutes to talk about. The the theme (laughs) of Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Which is kind of ironic because it's a Euro. And as we all know, Euros are really famous for theme. (laughs) Right. We, We always joke that my favorite Euro games are just pasted on themes. But yeah. I don't think that that's the case in this game. Let's take no, it away. No, no. Okay, so the theme of this game, I mean, it's in the title, right? Merv Heart of the Silk Road. Historically speaking, it's accurate. I mean, this was a city. Uh, the I think in the, the book, the rule book, they do a great job on establishing the context of w- what the theme is and what the purpose is and, and the relevance of it. And again, which is hard for a Euro to, to associate, you know, mechanisms and theme. This theme does a really good job because of, of how it, it coincides with the tracks. Like there's, there's the mosque track, there's the palace, tr- not necessarily track, but end of game multipliers. There's the building of the wall track. There's the the marketplace. There's the uh, again the camel ones. I can never get this. The care the caravansary. The caravansary, right? All of those elements are an economic function of how prosperous this city was. It, it required all. It required a delicate balance of all of those influence from a from a history. I'm a history teacher, so from a history teacher's point of view. Those are all relevant items that that contribute to what this game was about was the prosperity of that time of this city. And I think and it wasn't trading on the Mediterranean. No, it wasn't. It was it was inland. <laughs> there was no water. Right. But again, this isn't really about cube pushing. This is more about developing like city building, I think, because yeah. Each person takes turns starting starting up parts of the city and creating that economic engine, I guess. Yeah, because it's all about we are actually just figures trying to assert our influence into the into the creation and the defense too, the defense yeah. of of, of, of Merv too. Because yeah, Merv was ransacked by <laughs> Mongols quite repeatedly all the time because it was the greatest city in the world. It was rich. And everybody want and everybody wanted their piece. Yeah. Piece of the pie. So no Legally it, it, or illegally. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think the Mongol raids, which happens in uh, year two and year three, I think the Mongol raids are a, a good indicator of the 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 idea that it's not you're not just in it for yourself 
you're also in it for the people that are part of that city. And a lot of the times your influence yeah. by defending other people's properties. And and you have and you're very and that's part of one of those tracks is is the points that you get for being for protecting other people. You get more points up this track that again, Euros, it's all about trying to maximize the potential of all those tracks. And I yeah. like how they and being more influential, dis- being yeah. more influential allowed you to fulfill more contracts, yeah. do yeah. a little bit more trading. Yeah. I like how that mechanism brought you out of that, that, that solitary kind of idea where, no, 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 no. I'm going to put my building in the, amongst your buildings because I want to build a wall there to protect me mostly, but also to get, you know, extra points for protecting you in the same you know situation. So I, yeah, I think the theme it's and, 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 and the art and the artwork brings it out beautifully. Oh. This thing is out. This is a work of art when you visually look at it. Yeah. You know, tool kudos, congratulations, because this is such a joy to look at and the palette, the color palette, I believe, again, I'm not an art history person, but it draws me to that time, that era, that culture, Vibrant, vibrant. Yeah, yeah, it pulls me. It 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 is one of the it is one of the uh, elements that helps draw you in for that that ability to to buy into the theme. So perfect. So that is the theme of of Merv, of Merv which is road. which is Merv Merv Heart mm-hmm. of the Silk. Yeah, awesome. Merv 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 Merv. <laughs> Merv is the word. That has right. nothing to do with the theme. Nope. So that was pretty, that was about five minutes. Cool. <laughs> we, we did five minutes on theme on a Euro game. <laughs> what is up? My name is Matthew McCack and I'm here with my brother, Justin Maycat. Hey, hey, everybody. We are Room 51 where we talk all things board gaming. And we are talking about the theme of Rally Man GT. What pulled us in? Justin, what was it? What pulled us into this game? You know, it's kind of interesting. I guess the one big thing was the rally aspect of it that they decided to go with rally racing i love formula one don't get me wrong but i play a lot of f1 video games and stuff so seeing a rally board game maybe kind of excited and then just racing in general but i think the biggest thing that pulled me in was that you get to build your own track you know the the tiles that's a connect however you like and you get to build your own track as a racing fan, it's really cool to be able to look up and see how, okay, this is how people built Silverstone or Monza or all the or Spa, you know, Monaco. Seeing how people build all these awesome tracks and try to build it myself and see, okay, this is, maybe I want to change it here. No, that's not what Monaco's hairpin would be like. It's much more like this style. All that kind of stuff really pulls me into the game as a racing fan. Yeah, for me, so I'm not as big of a racing fan as Justin is, but I do like racing in board games. Uh, So for this one in particular, when I first saw it, now we've only played it on Board Game Geek. We have never actually played the physical version, which is really unfortunate. But I'm looking at pictures here and it comes with these little miniature cars. And I think somebody painted these unless they actually come. No, somebody painted these and they look like little toy cars, which is so cool. Like me and Justin as kids used to play with these little toy cars, right? So now you're playing around with an actual game that is good. And I love that. I don't know. I love just like making it around the lap, trying to figure out like, okay, how am I going to like make this corner and everything? You know, it's puzzly with that push your luck mechanism involved. So I don't know. That's that's what drew me into this game for Rallyman G. Awesome. And I guess we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, everyone, that was great. So I'm going to have everyone write down or just mentally write down what game they want to vote off. So just so everyone knows, Jason and Julie, each of you get your own vote this time. Normally you get one vote together, but this time you get separate votes. And John, you have your vote. (laughs) So when everyone's ready, let me know. I just want to chime in before we vote. Yeah. So Room 51 didn't even actually play their game. Oh, hey, hey that's, you know, that's BS. You can't do that. You can talk about it later. We can talk about it after. That's BS. We got to talk about it after. No, they want to vote. <laughs> a, they want to vote our game off. I'm going to be, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> okay. I can guarantee we played 
several games of our game. Many, many, many. <laughs> Matt and I went through the trouble. We actually didn't play all the games for real either, but we played them all on Tabletopia. Yeah. Or uh, Tabletop Simulator. But the game we championed, we own. We own most of them. Yes. So. That's all I have to say about that. Route <laughs> okay. 51. Wow. There's quite a few of them that are on our list, but we definitely haven't played all of the games that were uh, discussed. No, that's okay. As discussed in episode one, you know, that's fine. We're all we're all board game reviewers, so I trust everybody. Yeah. You no, know Jason's going to vote off. I don't know what you're going to vote off. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what you should do. I mean, uh, also, this is a podcast with... You should let the lady go first, gentlemen. What do you think? Yeah, I was I just going to say, yeah. uh, the guests go first. So do I have to say why I'm voting it off or just, just say it? And... I would love for you to tell me why. okay so i'm gonna do this the way i I do our review so i'm gonna say that i'm voting off merv okay and i'm gonna explain the reason why the others weren't voted off so obviously i'm not voting off aeon's end because it's just an awesome theme and it's just amazing we're not gonna go into that again but i'm also a formula one fan i'm a racing fan so i can't i can't vote off the racing game and well, Fort, I mean, we have the little one at home, and it just sounded like a lot of fun compared to the other one. So Merv just kind of has to go. Okay, I got to interject here. It might sound like a lot of fun, but I think you would hate that game with a passion, just just so you know. Let me let me just put it this way. So neither of you played Merv, correct? No. Okay, it, it, is, it is like a really, really heavy Euro game. Have you played Tekinu? No, but probably the closest game that we've played that's a heavy Euro is uh, CO2. CO2. I was going to say, is it is it like CO2? Ooh, I haven't played CO2. Let's let's just say this. You have rules in the game, and then each rule has a whole nother rule. Yeah, it's similar to CO2, except okay. it's cooperative, so it's a little easier to handle. But it, it's one of Vitalis Serta's games. But but I will note, we're voting off based on theme anyway. So, yes. so if you don't think, if you think the answer for the theme was, you know, not sufficient, then, then that's... That's your choice. That's my call, and I get to have a different opinion from Jason, so we'll see if he has the same opinion as me. I, I, I like to see when you guys are trying to vote together. It must be really funny. <laughs> it is definitely pretty funny, but I definitely have a different opinion this time because we, we do have the little guy, and as much as I think Fort is a cool and interesting game, I think it also highlights all of the evil things that kids do to each other. Why do I want to play an evil child and try to build the best fort and do take that and stab friends in the back? We don't need to be teaching people this stuff. We need to be bringing people <laughs> together and cooperating and saving the world. It's like, you know, that's what you're doing in Aeon's End. That's why we picked it. I like how you're, trying to, I like how you're selling your game right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're selling it. It's awesome. The other reason why I'm, I'm voting off fort is I think, I feel like the game also like kind of made this big, gigantic splash was fort, 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 and all of a sudden, like 30 days later, it's like, where's Fort? No one's talking about it anymore. It like vanished off the radar. It really did. Yeah. It, it, like, honestly, I was thinking back. We got it when it first came out. We played it for a month, and then, like, you just heard nothing about it, which is actually kind of sad because it is a very good game. Like, it is actually a very good game. So, if Fort gets voted off because of you, you don't get to come into our treehouse because that's our fort. So the little guy and I will will be in the treehouse. See, look, she's doing everything that's bad about it. It's being exclusive and like making rules and taking, you know, like I take the prisoners. T- yeah, take the prisoners. Take that mechanics. Like, yeah, nice. That's, that's what happened. I love it. I love it. Unhappy wife, unhappy life. Exactly. I, I, I go by that too. I think I'm going to... I know I, I talked smack about Room 51 earlier, but I'm actually going to keep their game in. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go a fort with this one. Whoa. So the reason why, especially because we're talking about theme, there was a review I, re- I, I watched, or re- sorry, I read of Fort, and they mentioned that no one would put pizza in their backpack. And like, it like ever... Uh, and he it ruined the game for this guy. And ever since, no, listen, ever since, uh, ever since, no, 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 ever Stop since it. I listened, listened to that review, that's all I think about when I, when I think about playing Fort. I was like, yeah, I would never put pizza in my backpack. What a dumb thing. And with Jason's point, yeah, it's very, it's very exclusive, you know? I'm the better friend. Come over to my side. It's like it's like a terrible game of Red Rover, which we weren't allowed to play at grade school anyway because it was too violent. So I'm going to go with Fort because I don't put pizza in my backpack. Wow. <laughs> uh, 
Wow, this is actually... Why is this... Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm going to reveal what everyone voted for. So right now, we have two votes for Fort, one for Merv, and then we have Girl Meets Nerd voted for Aeon's End. Bridge City Board Gamers voted for Rallyman GT, and Room 51 voted for Aeon's End. There you go. So uh, so you're just going to be voting every episode, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm like the tiebreaker. I'm go. the tiebreaker. Oh, so, <laughs> well, I mean, you have to convince me. Why, why should I vote Fort over Aeon's End? Why should you not vote Aeon's End over Fort? Yes. So, we talked about it in our theme video, but Aeon's End Outcast is definitely, I would say, the best version of the game. You're working together. It is the most innovative cooperative deck builder that there is because you do not shuffle your cards. So that alone really gives you a ton of strategy. Card playing and card placement on your breaches to cast spells is a lot of fun. And this game, instead of defending just Gravehold, you're actually defending a uh, well, little bit of a spoiler. So anyone that wants to just skip ahead, you're defending... Zaxos, a fallen mage who's now come back into the fold, and he's got all sorts of cool, awesome abilities. So you're run, you're together, you're awesome mages, you're blowing everything up, you're finding these nemesis that are threatening the entire world, you've just reclaimed the surface after being underground for centuries, and it's so dripping rich with theme, it's, it's also just so highly regarded as a deck builder that... I think it's probably it's probably the best cooperative deck builder that there is on the market. And I love the fact that it has it's so inclusive. There's there's women, there's men, there's old women, young women, all kinds of colors. It's really I honestly think it's one of the most inclusive games that we've played. And they've developed this story through multiple games, even though it's fairly story light. What starts in Aeon's End goes all the way through into Outcast. You're now going into the next expansion, which is Legacy of Gravehold, and they're even incorporating two different sides of the stories. Like there won't be any PvP elements, but there's like two different factions, and you can play through the story different times. So it's just it's a great part, this awesome puzzle and this amazing story that's been going for a lot of years. And indie boards and cards have just put so much time and effort into building something that's lasted a long time added the relics are just awesome yeah i i'm a huge fan of aeon Z. i love it i actually think it's a game everyone should play it's not i guess i shouldn't say it's for everybody because you have to read all the cards so if you hate reading cards you're not going to like it but then you could also argue fort is the same thing if you don't like reading cards you're not going to like fort either people would argue you're not reading you're using symbols but i disagree now aeons and theme wise i'm going to go with I actually think it has an advantage because it's set in its own world and there's every, you know, it keeps introducing more characters. You're said there's a fallen mage in this one. I know that fallen mage was in a previous one and it's basically world building to the extreme. So you can't really argue its theme is terrible. Fort, on the other hand, I actually really like the theme of Fort, but both of you bring up a very good point. John did, and then so did the two of you about the inclusivity, right? Exclusivity. Exclusivity. Yes. <laughs> or it's Lord of the Flies. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I oh man, this is this is a, oh, it's a tough decision. But I mean if we're going I'm trying to base it solely on theme, I'm actually gonna have to uh vote Fort off. So unfortunately Fort we're kicking you off because of your exclusivity that I have uh, now understood. So there you go. <laughs> Aeon's End lives He's another alive. round. Yay! <laughs> yeah, wow, that's crazy. Okay, let's. Okay, so we already know that Castles of Tuscany was voted off, so let's give that a quick listen to. Man, okay, I don't know what Matt's thinking. Matt is me. <laughs> so. What is the theme of Castles of Tuscany, and what does the theme of Castles of Tuscany pull you into playing the game, John? All right, so, Matt, I want you to close your eyes and remember us playing Castles of Tuscany. Yeah. Didn't you feel... Yeah, nobody put that down. Sorry. <laughs> Don't you feel like you are in the Italian Renaissance? No. <laughs> Did you feel like an influential prince that was building your region into a flourishing domain? No, I actually felt like a whiny prince trying to tell Novi <laughs> not to take my pieces before I had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's a Euro game. So does the theme super matter I don't, to this game? I don't think the theme matters. I mean, the game isn't the most pretty, although I, I actually think it's prettier than Burgundy. Uh-huh. But you're trying to you're trying to create a region in Tuscany that 
you know, people want to live. I guess that's kind of the theme to me. And this is the most, like, this is so European. It is such a Europe, Euro game. It, like, fits the description. The art is, like, really uh, sucks. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Way to sell the game, Matt. Way to well, sell the game. Yeah. well, the player boards are nice, but the pieces are yeah. very nice. I, I Look, I'm not going to, look. You know, this you're gonna vote for this. You're not gonna vote this game off. Oops! I almost said you're gonna vote this game off. You're not gonna vote this game <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, and the art does suck, but it's still a good game. All right. So, how did the theme of this game get you to play at first? Oh, oh. I guess I guess we have to turn this question around, dude. The theme is super important here, right? Isn't it? Isn't the theme always super important for a game, John? Well, yeah, we gotta we gotta win this game. We gotta win this. <laughs> this game's gotta so win. The theme is super important. <laughs> Who doesn't want to build a town in Europe during the Italian Renaissance? Who doesn't want to be a prince? Oh my, yeah, of course they do. They they work less in Europe. They're less stressed out. You know, who doesn't want to be part of this laid-back culture? That's it. And you're in Tuscany, so you're probably drinking a ton of wine. Oh, yeah. But there's no wine in this game, so... Okay, so on that note, get a glass of wine and don't vote this game off. Don't vote off Castles of Tuscany. Thanks, everyone. Keep Tuscany on. Keep Tuscany on. <laughs> See I'll give you Windsor Pizza. <laughs> All right, so I'm surprised that we're if we were in the competition still, I think Castles of Tuscany totally would not have been voted off right there. Oh yeah, no, hundred yeah, I mean, percent. Clearly, it's the most thematic game ever created. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially about a, a drinking wine in Tuscany with no vineyards. I think that just <laughs> makes sense. Isn't that viticulture of drinking wine in Tuscany? <laughs> I think yeah. Isn't there a, there is a Tuscany expansion, right? Yeah. So that's oh, wow. funny. Can we just drink wine and play board games? We could, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't drink anymore, so that'd be hard for me. It should be on every board gamer's list, though. Like, go to Tuscany and play one of these board games set in Tuscany while you've got a glass of wine. You probably meta. get weird looks, though. <laughs> Everyone's staring. They're at probably, you. oh, one of these guys again. Yeah. <laughs> nerds. Get the nerds. You go in there with Castle of Tuscany. You're like, where's this castle? I need to play this game in this castle. And everyone's looking at you like, what? Where are you from? Yeah. They're like, uh, <laughs> they just ship you. They, they call the police. Polizia, get over here. <laughs> All right, so how does everyone feel about Fort being voted off? You know, Fort's a good game, and we had a ton of fun playing. I know we played it a bunch because that was our first game we decided to stream with. We were doing Twitch, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. I'm okay with it being off. Okay. I'm okay with it being off. See, I didn't. I voted to keep it. However, when you pit it against we were on the chopping block, I'm just happy it's them. <laughs> 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 no, I, I feel a little bit the same as Julie, but I, I'm happy it got voted off. I, I do think it's a really interesting theme. It's it's a game that's on my list of games to play, but just because of that, we take that mechanics and also with the little guys, we were discussing the exclusivity and the theme. It's not something that I want in my collection. It's not something that I'd want really to play with, with him as he got older. I'd say that maybe in the future, and I really appreciate the, the way the leader games takes these different themes and different ideas and turns them into board games. And sure enough, it's true to life. I mean, we were all kids. We all had our own exclusive clubs and the cool kids were in and people were excluded. But I mean, I, th I think that's also just a little bit passe and we're trying to change things. So I'm happy that it got voted off. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I really like, you know, I really like, I said earlier, I really love Aeon's End, and I'm, I'm glad it's... Well, I, I guess like, I had the ultimate decision, so yeah. I could have voted off whatever I wanted, but <laughs> I wanted I wanted to see it keep going, because I think Aeon's End is a game everyone should play. Right. And and it did hit the theme. Like, honestly, it's hard it's hard to, to tear down a game that's theme is basically built up from itself, whereas Fort takes it from real life. So it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's an easier decision to be like, okay, well, I got to vote off Fort because it isn't really true to real life to me. Right. I, I still think that the, the game's left. It's going to be kind of harder and harder to make a decision. Dude, I... As we go on. I'm dreading... So far, you know what I said to myself? I'm like, I don't want to make another tie-breaking decision, and here we go. Uh -huh. that's, Second, that's the corner you painted yourself I in. I know. I should have just <laughs> said we're going to take the... I should have made you guys vote again. <laughs> that's what I should have done. No, that's okay. It's more fun this way. Yeah, true. Okay, so... More stressful. Tension makes for good content. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. All right, so Fort has been eliminated, and that leaves, what, Rallyman GT, Aeon's End Outcasts, 
and Merv. And Merv. Yeah. Wow, some really meaty games left. So stick around for some chat with Jason and Julia from Dice and Dragons. Or if you're done with us, <laughs> tune in next Friday to hear what else gets eliminated. So, okay. So, Jason and Julie, what do you want to talk about? Well, why don't we talk about our, our gaming spaces? I mean, that's something okay. that you see a little bit of in pictures, but you don't ever get to see like the full grandeur. We're still working on ours, and I want to do a video. I don't think we've got the right setup for it because I'd be walking with an iPhone and be shaky cam, and I hate <laughs> GoPro videos. That's just me. I don't like it. We'll find a way to do something with, with showing off the gaming space uh, in the near future. Yeah, I I I think I first noticed you guys on social media and i may be i may be lying when i say this but when you guys got your new table with like the the burnt in logo on on the side of that that bad boy i think that's when i first like i was like oh i like that table and i started like noticing you guys more on my feed how's that table working out for you i was gonna say that that's jason's pride well it's our table but it's his pride and joy i mean (laughs) it's he wanted it and we we worked we we worked to make that happen. It was a long time coming. It took a long time. Yeah, it to took get a the, the, took about a year to get the table, and Julie really helped me like figure out what we wanted. I mean, the table was even more extravagant than when it was originally conceived, and uh, we actually had like fold out areas so everyone could have like their own dice rolling area and things like that. Ooh. But the cost of that just really wasn't feasible there was also some custom stuff i wanted to get to play some tabletop rpgs potentially in the future and just been realizing that the custom stuff really wasn't going to hold its value like it wasn't going to get used enough for the extra that we're going to be putting in the table so we we cut it down to really what we wanted to do and i thought the logo was excessive but she's the aesthetic one she's got great taste she was like no you're getting the logo burnt into the table (laughs) hey i'm i'm a marketing person in my daytime life when I'm not reviewing board games, I've been marketing. So of course we're gonna put the, you know, our brand yeah. on our table. Yeah. I agree. Honestly, and, that your like your logo burnt in looks it's very nice. It looks very beautiful on that table. So yeah. and you notice that. It's something you notice. Yeah. But functionally, honestly, the reason I really like it is because we've got that the vaulted, the inside space where we can put longer like dungeon crawls or games that we play, campaign games. But then we can, you know, put the leaves on the top of the table and then we can play a game on the tabletop and not disturb the game below. So that gives us a little bit more flexibility and it's been awesome. Uh, We've been using a lot as of late because Zombicide 2nd Edition was almost done and the last three missions have taken us forever. So it's still set up on the table like a month later. So is your is your gaming table only for gaming? Like you will, yeah. you will you will not eat you will not have a party and then people will eat on top of the table. <laughs> I think Jason will sweat the first because we got it during the pandemic. Yeah. So nobody but us has used it. But I can I can just see when we start having people over again how he's gonna start sweating when people are, are sitting around it. Well, that, get your that cups off the table. Too. Get your cups off the table. <laughs> well, we have the cup holders, so that okay. should be good. But I can just imagine somebody coming with chip fingers to touch the felt or something. Thing. that's me like, yeah <laughs> that's a nightmare there, there's no doritos or cheetos during our game nights. you can have chips but like not those like we can tell you a horror story about that game etiquette like oh my god it was the first time i was ever happy to have sleeves a game and it was her game legendary x files and i had to like wipe the cards down afterwards just to get yeah. an idea. <laughs> oh man yeah i'm looking forward to like we're in the we're in the process of thinking about putting an addition on our house the housing market here in in windsor is insane so it's cheaper to build onto your house than it's to buy a new one <laughs> so yeah and, and in that if we can do it i'm i'm supposed to get myself my own game room nice so I'm pretty, so I'm pretty jazzed about that. Cause right now I just play at my kitchen table and I can't leave games set up. I've also got two kids. They would immediately destroy it. So I'm excited. So I'm looking at, you know, what kind of gaming tables I can get. See if I can throw that in that budget, <laughs> <laughs> that renovation budget. I was talking with some people on, on the board games, Reddit, other people that purchased from person. It was Wheatland Woodwork. They have a little talked about plywood option, which is, very reasonably priced and looks really good. They posted a picture of their plywood table on the our board games Reddit, so you can go try to check it out if you're interested. Yeah. But what I love about what he did with us, like we went fully custom. Like we've got the leaflets, that's why we've got the pedestal base for the logo. It was mainly to store those in it. But what's really cool is that if the felt ever gets damaged, it's actually removable from the table. 
I could buy a custom cut neoprene mat or something and get it put into the table to replace it. So even if that gets worn down over time, we're going to have options to protect it and still use it. So that's what I really like about it. Nice. But it is designed to be, we can eat on it, but we have to put all the leaflets in and I'd still probably put like some type of plastic tablecloth over it just in case someone spilled because <laughs> I don't want it dripping through the cracks. Oh or you'd God. see me taking the felt out. Like I'd be like, no, this felt is coming out. I'm going to put it somewhere safe. <laughs> but we totally understand gaming on your kitchen table because, you know, when we started the channel, that's where our videos were filmed too. Is that at the kitchen table? Yeah. At the kitchen table with some jury rigged light, like camera thing because we don't have the proper stuff. We're like, this should work. And it's like, wow, this is way more complicated than we ever thought it would be. <laughs> Actually, you're you're seeing my dungeon right now, right? You see, like, the cement walls and stuff? This is actually where we started gaming. I got this, like, this is a pretty big table. I would say it's a bigger kitchen table. We started, I think we had about, like, six people with us at the time. Yeah, yeah so we would play six people in this room and then started doing more pictures of, like, social media. We're like, oh, I got to, like, not that I, like, wanted to upgrade, but I'm like, I kind of want, like, a nice, like, living room area. So my, my living room is, like, dual function i have like two long ikea tables which we use for gaming slash if we have like a, a lot of people over we could fit maybe like 10 or 12 people around it pretty comfortably so yeah. i want it to be kind of modular it's not like a table so you have to kind of like hunch down to, to touch everything you know it's on like a coffee table so it's not as comfortable but i think it does the trick that's fine yeah so that's my gaming space i have it <laughs> You can sit a lot of people because that's that's the biggest challenge. We're we're working on upgrading our, our gaming space. Unfortunately, some of our plans have went sideways. If you do follow us on Instagram, you may have seen the uh, the Dyson Dragons pub. So we're we've got our gaming space in the basement. So we're trying to build like a whole bar area in there as well, and get a TV so we can watch some stuff on on YouTube. So if people come over and they don't know how to play the game, I can be like, well, I don't want to teach, so let's just put on the video. You can watch it live. Let's put <laughs> Rodney on. Thankfully, TV's expensive now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, true, true. You get like a 50 inch for like $300 now, so yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, he keeps talking about the video game machine that he wants to put in the basement too. I'm like, I don't know where we're gonna put all, like we already got the cinema room in the basement right beside the gaming room and the popcorn machine. And now he wants to, you know, that video, what, what? I want to get an arcade cabinet, like oh. a four player, 10,000. Like that's the dream. That's, that's my treat to myself. If we have a great year, like get one of those custom built arcade cabinets that can fit four players with 10,000 10, games. So, oh, you got eliminated from that game. Don't worry. Go play some street fighter too. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Those are, those are, those are space, space takers. There we go. Yes. Space takers. Just because John was talking about the housing market, we got very lucky to decide to buy outside of the city. Mm -hmm. So we're just a little bit outside of Montreal. And put it this way, if we tried to buy it now, this house would be completely out of our price range because the it's like all of a sudden because of the pandemic, people are like, I don't want to live in the city anymore. And now prices are just like going through the roof. It's Yeah, that's like our problem. People are moving from Toronto and moving down here, right? They sell their house in Toronto for a couple million, come down here, spend 500000 buy a and, block. Or they or know. they used to be able to buy a block. Yeah. Now like, they can't buy anything. You know, you get a, you get a nice paycheck and live off a million dollars right. or something, right? And then right? Windsor jobs actually don't pay a lot. So, like, we, we actually supply – we do a lot of tool and mold for the auto industry. So, those jobs don't actually pay a ton. So, I actually feel bad for a lot of people because they, they're trying to find houses they can't really – get anything they can afford it's pretty yeah, sad unless they, can, unless they can work remote which i think is that's what made the big change out here is we're not that far from downtown montreal you can drive if you need to mm -hmm. and it's still a very reasonable drive but now that you can just telecommute people want to live out here yeah yeah that's that's me i tell i telecommute so uh it's great i love it so hopefully i never go back <laughs> so in your in your gaming areas have you run out of board game space like do you have to sell games or do you still have room because jason seems to have to sell games because you know we're run out of space oh uh, on on our storage spaces yeah i have like a i have a weird setup so when we bought the house that we live in the room that i store my games in came with like a uh floor to ceiling bookcase I mean, it spans like six shelves wide. We actually, it's weird. So we kind of like rotate things out. So we took some of the books out and we kind of put those away to make room for board games. But my, my wife started buying games for her job. So 
board games are slowly taking over the shelves. She's going from the bottom up. I'm going from the top down. And the books are slowly leaving our collection. <laughs> so, so for me, I know the listeners can't see it, but behind me are those like industrial shelving storage units. So I have like, I actually have two of them. And then I have like two more shelves that are kind of off from what you two can see. And basically I store all my games there. But as I play them, I have two shelves over my sofas that I actually just rotate. So once I get about eight to 10 games, I then take the bomb shelf. I move the bomb shelf to the top shelf. I move the top shelf to storage. And then <laughs> I move all the games I played to the bottom shelf. So it kind of like helps my rotation. And I noticed that like board game boxes are beautiful. Yeah. Like they're so beautiful. I don't like showing them on the side. I like showing them like the front face. So it's kind of like art. And that's actually how I sold it to my wife. I'm like, honey, honey, it's not going to be some stupid child's game. It's going to be like art. <laughs> and then she's like, there's still like a sigh, but she's like, okay, fine can't argue so i tried when we we have a bunch of calyxes from ikea that i mean i don't even know how many we have now there are quite a few of them we have three big ones one medium and then two small ones oh. so the small one and the four cubes i had to i mean you see them for those who watch the channel you can see behind us there are front facing games that's because the marketing person in me said to Jason, absolutely not. We are not going to put them like spines, like books. Yeah. These are, they have to be front facing. They're beautiful. You can rotate them. But he's like, but I can fit more if I put it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not pretty. So I totally get it. They, there are some gorgeous boxes. Well, yeah. I mean, like what, you, what I think, I think you do do this. You put the, you put the front facing boxes in front of like the games put sideways, right? Like when I watch your videos, that's what it looks yeah, like. They're on the top. So where you're gonna, where your eyes gonna be drawn, like above us, is all the front-facing games, right. and then like the lower shelves, we have everything organized on the side. Because it'd just be a little weird if you're like looking next to me, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's a pretty picture, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you guys do you, do you guys organize alphabetically, or by um, publisher, or by color? Yeah. Let's let's start with Julie. <laughs> See, I worked. I worked at a bookstore. I worked at Chapters for like ten years. Wait, hold on. Does so, it, hold on. We'll press pause. I like how you called it Chapters because I love Chapters. Yes. And for the American listeners, what would that be like? Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Okay. Barnes and Noble. So you guys can't see, but behind me are a bunch of bookshelves with books right now because we're taking this from our office. And my books are all alphabetized by author. And Jason's books are just <laughs> by series, by type, by fantasy, by... And that's how he does the games. I can never find anything. I say, <laughs> where is such, such and such a game? And it's like, oh, it's beside this. And he knows exactly... And I'm curious, so now please answer, how do you sort them? Because my brain can't figure out what your brain has sorted. So because board games are not a uniform size like books. So right, doing right. something alphabetically, unless you want to just waste a ton of space or do really specific custom storage, it, it doesn't work. You, you just can't do it. So I've got everything really organized more by like series and then I've got them like in certain areas where I want front facing games so I keep everything near to each other. So all of our like Arkham Horror themed stuff are nearby, all the Marvel games are in one area. There's a couple of areas where the games are a little bit more random but I know that that's like my more random shelf. And then other than that it's like, okay I get Zombicide, I'm going to try to keep all the Zombicide games together. Or at least that series together. Like TMNT is like one big chunk of our shelf. So wow. it's, it's not the easiest organization system, but because I know roughly where everything is, I'm able to find it. And I think that's just kind of what you've got to do because you've got a box that sometimes is a long coffin box. And you're like, why did anyone ever put a box like this out there? It doesn't fit anywhere. And then sometimes you've got these tiny little boxes that are like five by five. And you're like, I hate this thing. It just doesn't fit. <laughs> Anywhere, or you yeah. go to that last spot on your shelf. You're like, I can cram it in. And it's like a centimeter too big. Yeah, that's why we're Canadian. I'm saying centimeters. <laughs> it. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. It's yeah. hard to sort board games in any way that makes any it sense. Is. I have mine alphabetically. Wow. It doesn't work very well. I did do it by color, but I hated it. Like, you know how ever, you know that the home edit, do it in like the rainbow color. Yeah. Yeah, I had it like that. I hated it. So it's kind of just a big mess right now. Okay. 
So I have a fun thing going on right behind me. So my shelf is actually organized behind me. Mm-hmm. It is? It is. Okay. Can anyone Let's... guess how? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. It looks alphabetic and then I see put a portée towards the end. Nope, nope, that's not alphabetically. Yeah. I have it I have it like there's there's games that I consider everyone can play. So I put those uh, all together cuz like if I have people over who aren't really into those heavy games, then they can then I know what to pick from. And then right here are like my favorite games. So right above me are my favorite games. So you can see Root, Dinosaur Island. I'm not plugging them. <laughs> <laughs> and then below that are more of my favorite games, but not as favorited as those. And then these are games I've only played once or twice. I need to play again to decide if I'm going to keep them. Tapestry is just there because Tapestry is a huge game. And then I'm moving. You can't, obviously, the listeners can't see it. But then these shelves are either Kickstarter games or previews or reviews or games I need to get rid of or games I want to sell or games we need to use for giveaways. Speaking of uh, speaking of giveaways and giving uh, the inside scoop to Friday Night Games because we haven't talked about this anywhere uh, at this point in time. It's through pure chance. I can't do a drum roll. I only have one pen in my hand. (laughs) How's that? How's that? So pure chance is not supposed to happen. So if you do wonder why we have a a copy for giveaway, this was not supposed to happen. I've said it enough times. We have a giveaway copy of the upcoming expansion. So depending on when this is released, it might be really close to coming out. For Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, Suarez, is it? Secrets and Suarez. I knew there was another one in there. So that that takes the game up to eight players. You can also play versus with solo castles. So you will no longer have to be cooperating if you don't want to. And I just, it adds a whole ton of variety and new room types to the game. I think it just kind of fully fleshes out all of the options. You get a really cool plastic insert that actually fits perfectly in the existing box, which I thought was just absolutely fantastic. And yeah, so it's from Stonemeyer Games. Big thanks to Jamie for letting us do this because we did have a shipping accident and we got an extra copy. So it's not a normal giveaway. This is very much an exceptional situation. And he asked me to say it a lot of times, just to be clear with everyone. So we're good. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't want anyone to uh, ask for giveaway games, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. he does. yeah, I think it says it right on his like website, too, or yeah. something. Like, yeah, I know he doesn't do giveaways. So right. that's really cool. That That's a that, happy accident. That that's happy really accident. Happy. Bob Ross painted a little... <laughs> little picture along your shipping route so if you like what you hear don't forget to follow us on your favorite streaming platform leave us a review on apple Podcasts. you can follow us on instagram at friday night games underscore official twitter at friday night gms and on our website friday night dot games and again i'm john and i'm matt and it's friday night so let's have some fun thanks everyone